Christopher Walken on solo screen test. Okay, Chris, whenever you're ready. I'm captain of the Millennium Falcon. Chewie here tells me you're looking for passage to the Alderaan system. Yes, indeed, if it's a fast ship. <laughs> fast ship? You've never heard of the Millennium Falcon. It's the ship that made the Kessel Run in less than 12 parsecs. She's fast enough for you, old man. That sucked. I'm sorry. I need a minute. you half-witted, scruffy-looking nerf herders to Geek Salad, episode 28, a requiem for Jack Porkins. Porkins! <laughs> I'm Andy. And I'm Mike. And welcome to part one of a two-part episode, uh, which will be encompassing everything about Star Wars. Not everything. Well, not really everything, but about the original trilogy. Yes. Well, yep. Everything that we can think of, anyway. Yes, we will be covering the original trilogy. Yes, the good ones. Oh, yes, the good ones. Ones we grew up with. Yes. Um, and before we do that, though, we're going to start a little early with our buddy Nick from Canada. We just got the mugs and coffee, so thank you very much. So, take it away, Nick. Hey Geek Salad, this is Nick from the Great White North here to toss my two cents in as always. While riding uh, to work and that, I was dropping off my roommate Patty and listening to your show. She couldn't help but notice when we came to the McDonald's aspect that she was curious as to why you didn't mention the Fry Guys or the McNugget Buddies. Those guys were pretty uh, prevalent in the society, so the fact that you guys missed them and that, she was kind of curious as to why. Me too, even though they did look like uh, walking pom-poms and the McNugget Buddies looked like they were about ready to uh, pop out of their little case and, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe spawn into gremlins or something. Anywho, that was one of the things that uh, popped into our heads. Um, Other than that, you guys actually brought to light a lot of uh, things that I completely forgot about. Like the whole like Twinkie and the the, <laughs> the whole never cross an Irishman thing, which you know what that is pretty prevalent considering I am three quarters Irish. Yeah, you don't want to cross me, although I don't drink, so I won't be hitting anybody with a shillelagh anytime soon. But yeah, uh, great show as always. Sure, it's a little short, but uh, just not really sure what else to add. But your current show that you're doing today is regarding the original Star Wars movies. Um, From what I understand, you guys are going to be cutting this one into a two-parter. My question is, are you going with the originals or with the uh, remakes? Because if you really want to compare the two, there's quite a big difference between them when you're dealing with it. After all, when you take the uh, originals, they had a lot of uh, editing issues and... You know, well, given that the uh, the technology of the day was state-of-the-art, so it's kind of understandable. But overall, the additions that they made when they re-released it, that actually quite improved the movie quite a bit. You had a lot more, everything was a lot clearer, you got to see through the cockpit, actually, and... You have to admit, it was hilarious watching uh, Han walk around Jabba, stepping on his tail and watching the expression on his face when he got when he got stepped on. But then, you know, that's just me. Anyways, great show as always. You guys take care, as always. This is Nick from the Great White North saying, Take off, eh? Oh, P.S. Hope you guys enjoyed the coffee. And, yeah, take care. Bye-bye.
Thank you very much, Nick, and I look forward to drinking that coffee this evening. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll probably make my, make my coffee for my father because I don't drink coffee. You don't drink coffee. You don't drink coffee. You don't drink beer. Yeah, I know. You don't drink Mountain Dew either. What's up with that? Hey, I'm I preserved the water for me. Ah, excellent. The excellent. water of light. <laughs> That what you get from Shy Halud. Yes. Different different sci-fi series. Let's uh. No, Nick. <laughs> Nick brought up a good point though. What were we going to be covering? We're going to be covering the originals, or we're going to be covering the special editions. Why not combine the two? Well, here's the thing. Um, it's it's just always been a curiosity to me. You know, being a lifelong Star Wars fan, that there has been that split between the special editions. And um, the original, the original versions, when realistically they are one and the same. Yeah, they, I mean, there's cosmetically different, but in essence, it is the exact same movie. Right. I don't think, and especially with the first two movies, not so much for Jedi, but I definitely think that the additions that were made of the first two um, were not offensive in many. Ways. Yes. There were some issues that we will get into. I'm sure you can all think of one yep. in particular. We'll be getting to that. But yeah, it's. But I think the thing with the special edition is it definitely brought Star Wars to a brand new generation. Yeah. Um, because as the old ad says, I mean, people in your generation didn't get to see it in the theater no, I like mean, I did. For an entire generation, people have experienced Star Wars the only way it's been possible. On the TV screen. But if you've only seen it this way, you haven't seen it at all. Now, for its 20th anniversary, the adventure of a lifetime returns to the big screen. I was born one year too late. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and your parents are going to bring an infant into Star Wars anyway. Well, they might have. I don't know. If they loved me, they would have. See, I was five years old when the first Star Wars got released on May 25th, 1977. Yes. And, um, see, I, I remember it well. I, you know, I think that there's definitely that, that bond my dad and I actually had with Star Wars movies. I went to, my first viewing of all the Star Wars movies on the original uh, series mm-hmm. were with my dad. No. Which are really nice. Yeah. Um... So yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. But you, your first exposure in the theater to Star Wars was seeing Empire Strikes Back at the drive-in, according to my parents, because I was about three at the time, so I remember nothing of it. Well, you know, I was three. The first movie I, I remember seeing was Monty Python: The Holy Grail at a drive-in. You lucky bastard! <laughs> you must think the sun shines out of your ass. That was like Brian. Yes, I know. Okay, it just it, it worked better. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> So anyway, let's kick this off with um, Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. Okay. Um, all right. First of all, the New Hope thing. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the original cut of Star Wars? Like when they released, released them a couple years ago on DVD. Mm-hmm. They had both cuts: the special yeah, edition and the original. original. And the words uh, Episode Four appear nowhere in, in nah. the opening scroll. Well, well he, he didn't know it was going to be a, a continuous serial until he came, the uh, money came in for Episode Four, and it was like. Oh, wow, I, I'm onto a gold mine here. Oh, excellent. You know, and the thing is, too, is that Lucas has always said that he was meant this to be a longer series. Right. Um, there is, there's this coffee table book that came out during Star Wars' 30th anniversary mm-hmm. um, called The Making of Star Wars. Right. In, in a sense, he's right, and in a sense, he's completely full of shit. Wow. George Lucas full of shit? I know. No way. I know. There's a lot of stuff that he wanted to get to. The, the, the vision itself was too grand for one movie. Right. But it would have never worked had he been able to shoot his original version of it. So Actually, thank goodness he didn't, because we saw what happened when he shot his original version of it. Exactly. <laughs> but, um... I... The thing is, is that the original Star Wars... Let's just, let's just start. What worked with Star Wars? It's... It's, it's, it's been Star Wars! It's, exactly. It's fucking Star Wars. You can't... In a nerd's eyes, you cannot do any better than this original movie. No, this was the pinnacle of what... I mean, even even the original cut, it was just groundbreaking special effects. Is, you know, he had done stuff that nobody ever even considered. Right. No, I, I completely agree with you. It was... I mean, first of all, I mean, we, we're spoiled now. And the oh, the yeah. kids today, you damn kids, get off my lawn. They are spoiled with the amount of CG. You kids with your computers and your... Amigas. 
Well, you know the funny thing is too is I think for the older eyes, so, you know the the thirty plus eyes that have yeah. seen models hanging on strings mm-hmm. being blue screened and rotoscoped, um, have an acute eye for, for that kind of thing versus seeing CG where you could definitely tell it's yeah. a computer generated image. Right. We grew up with uh, giant with little models and giant people in ro- and uh, rubber suits stomping on them. Exactly. <laughs> We also, you know, grew up with giant ships being shot upside down. Yeah, oh yeah. Which makes it easier to film. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's just groundbreaking for what it did. Even though the story is stolen from a number of different yeah. sources, it essentially is it's just a Saturday morning serial. I've actually seen the um, was it the Hidden Fortress, yeah, the Kira Kurosawa movie, yeah, and you can definitely tell there's a lot of actually there's a lot of elements of both Star Wars and Phantom Menace. In it. Right. I mean, the big thing, the big comparison are the droids. Yeah. R2-D2 and C-3PO essentially are these two serfs that are, the, the whole story is being told through their eyes yeah, as they stumble through, they stumble through everything. Yeah, they were very, they were much, very much the comic relief of that movie. Absolutely. Um, and in this first movie, I mean, you get to, you didn't really get a sense of how cool R2-D2 was going to be. No. And C-3PO was just kind of there. Yeah. Complaining about R2-D2 every step of the way. Exactly, like an old, bitter married couple. No, no comparison there. No, just, just a, just, just a, just a, you know, thing to say about the state of marriage. Just just a metaphor. Yep. (laughs) Um, who's your favorite character? Han Solo. Okay, yeah, I, I agree with you with Han Solo. Across the board for Star Wars characters, Han Solo is king. Yeah. I, I put it this way. If you're a fan of Superman... You're probably a fan of Luke Skywalker, but if you're a fan of Batman, you're a fan of Han Solo. He was always rocking that European vest. Too. He, he had the European vest. He had no no powers. Nope, the low, that low sung blaster that just yep. On it. He was just his only power was the, the ability to kick lots of ass, and he did so quickly. And really. look cool doing it. Oh yes. Oh yeah. My, Harrison, Harrison Ford, we love you. Oh yeah. Well, we Not, love Han Solo. Yeah. We don't. We don't love uh, T- Temple of the Crystal Skull. No, or what was he? Pre- the president in Air Force One. Air Force One, extreme. And it was Extreme Measures. Oh, I no! That movie just came out. I already work overtime. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Darth Vader. Yeah, I mean the symbol of evil. Guy, totally in black. The first time you see him on screen, you are wetting your pants so much your pants are begging you to stop. He's walking through this white smoke. He's got white stormtroopers on. He's just a symbol in black. Right. Oh. <laughs> um, the beauty is, and this, this this really kind of extends exclusively to Star Wars, the, A New Hope, Yeah. is that there was no need to have any type of backstory. You didn't need to... All you needed to know that, A, he was evil... B, he was going to carry out his master's wishes, and... He could strangle you with a thought. Exactly, exactly. And he was just so, just badass doing it. Yeah. Welcome to Orientation Day, here on the jolly old Death Star. Now, there are a few things we want to go over with you concerning Lord Vader. First and foremost, he thinks he has the power to strangle us. Truth is, he doesn't. If you ever realize this, he would kill us with his lightsaber. Thus, to keep us safe, we'll all pretend to get strangled. Okay, let's try practice. Commander Winston here will assist me. I'm going to hold out my hand like Lord Vader, and he will pretend to be strangled. Gasping for air. Grabs throat. Yes, yes. Eyes back, and he's down. Good show, Commander. Now, two of the floor chiefs will retrieve the corpse. Redress him, add a moustache, and he's back to work as Lieutenant Leopold. Vader has the satisfaction of killing someone, and we stay amongst the living. Why, Private Perkins over there has been strangled over 30 times, haven't you, Perkins? <laughs> Good man. Um, you know, there's the guy talking about, you know, the station is now the ultimate power. That you, he's just like, yeah, whatever, crunch. <laughs> Um, you didn't need, and it didn't even occur to me that there would be some kind of backstory that would eventually tie in with Darth Vader. Right, but it was kind of what's kind of nice, and here's where you can kind of see where George Lucas is talking about the bigger story is that he did plant those seeds in Stone Wars. Yeah, for the backstory that you know you didn't get until Phantom Menace, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is hands down, though. I think the worst of the lightsaber battles. Yeah. And all six movies. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, you got... 
You had Al Guinness, who was very good as Obi Wan Kenobi. Very great actor, but not exactly most athletic. No, well, he was like eighty years old when he made that movie, for God's sakes, you know. And then David Prowse. David Prowse, who was just so roided up that very limited. um, He he had no movement. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So it's understandable, and I don't think that. I think the lightsaber fight was just kind of there. It didn't really, I don't think, wowed people the way that like the, the battle sequences and the well, starship no. sequences really wowed them. It, realistically speaking, would take until Phantom Menace yeah. to get that real big payoff on a lightsaber battle. Right, well, because that was the first time you had the uh, real athletic, top-of-their-peaks Jedi punching <laughs> each other. Two guys under the age of 50 fighting it out. Um... Yeah, one of them being Ray Park didn't help. Didn't hurt. Exactly, exactly. Um, and that just brings us to an interesting point. What, what didn't work in Star Wars? I mean, this is the end all, be all for nerds. But you know, as nerds, we're, we are quick to point out flaws. Right. Um. Well, actually, most of the flaws didn't really show up until we knew what we're missing. Like, um, the the whole scene with the Tashi station at the beginning. Yep. It would have provided a lot of backstory for Luke and. You know, they they give you a lot of, um, you know, friendship between Luke and Biggs in the special edition. Yeah. But I think if they would have included that Tashi station scene, it would have built that so much it would have It would have made Biggs' death a little more uh, exactly. poignant. And that's the thing that really kills me is that they never included it, even in the special edition. Right. Or even when they redid the special edition for the DVDs, um, they, they'd never bothered to include it. I mean, you can still find the scene on YouTube. Yeah. But it's, it's it's terribly shot. No one's no one's bothered to. I wonder if maybe he didn't include it because he didn't think anyone would buy the fact that the universe was saved by Luke Wormy Skywalker. <laughs> it would have been great too if, like, you know, Biggs was calling him Wormy throughout the entire <laughs> Battle of Yavin. Right, red five, red three. I'm going in. All right, Wormy, do your best. And if Han heard that, he would never let Luke live it down. <laughs> like at, at Luke's wedding, would be, like, "Hey, Wormy, how you doing?" <laughs> Oh, no, I don't have any objections. I just wanted to call you Wormy again. Uh, yeah. Hey, hey, Wormy, how we doing? Same as always. Uh, yeah. Um, speaking of, of the redone, redone special editions, yeah. Han shooting first, that's yeah. how it was supposed to be. Yeah. Greedo wasn't supposed to shoot first. Han is a scoundrel and a rogue. Yeah. And if, his, if he feels cornered and his life needs saving, he will shoot. Oh, yeah, and he was cornered and his life needed saving. Yeah. But in Lucas's infinite wisdom, he figured, well, you know what? We need to make Han Solo a little more sympathetic. Right. So let me just get this guy who's got point-blank range. I mean, he is literally... Greedo was literally two inches away from his chest with the barrel of that gun. Yep. And he manages to fire a little six inches over his right shoulder. Oh, yeah. Or his left shoulder. Yeah, it was just... Okay, you were the worst shot ever. It's those gigantic fingers of yours. Not only that, but that was one of the worst edited scenes of the entire Star Wars trilogy. Well, did you notice in the redone versions for the DVDs, they both shoot at the same time? Oh, really? Yeah. He's trying to fix that? It's. I think Greedo might have shot, like, a quarter of a second earlier. It's like the, the bolt leaves his blaster before Han's, Han shoots, <laughs> but it's still kind of stupid. Yeah, you kind of burned that bridge already, Han. Yeah. Uh, Lucas, don't don't try and make some kind of flotation device for us. Exactly. We don't we don't need it. Um, honestly, I thought the Java scene, the reinserted Java scene, was just sloppily done. Uh, there were parts of it that were kind of sloppy. Like, there was a couple of times when Han points at Java's chest, mm. when you can see his finger kind of going into. Well, Java. Java's mushy. It's. Well, no, no, but it was going into, like, the digital image of Java. Right. But... Hey, seriously, I wish that for once they would have just left that gigantic, fat Irish, uh... I- I'm hoping that when they release the Blu-ray version, they include that version not with its digital effects. I want to see the, the fat Irishman. Have you ever seen... You've seen that scene, I've right? I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, I think it's hysterical. Oh, and yeah. it doesn't need to be viewed in context. No. Um... It really, it really doesn't need to be viewed in context at all. It's just, it's funny to watch. Yeah, and throwing Boba Fett in the, at the end. Y- yeah, just to get him in all three of the first movies. No real point to him. There was no point at I all mean, other than for him to look at the camera, breaking the fourth wall, which, as I've mentioned a thousand times before, really pisses me off. Right. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, when I first saw it in theaters, I was like, oh, Boba Fett, yeah. But then after thinking about it, I was like, why was he there? 
Seriously, why is he out banging Twi'leks like everybody else is supposed to do? Like he was doing in the third one. Exactly. Um, Luke, let's let's talk about our hero. You can't see the finger quotations on the podcast, but our hero... um, He was living up to that wormy name in the first one. Oh my god, he just wanted power converters. Uh, every, I mean, uh, actually, my my uh, bro- my older brother pointed this out, Stephen. Um, just at one one of the times when we were watching that, every single every single line of his was just him being a whiny bitch. Seriously, it's we want to go to power station with the power converters. That's what she said with pigs and tank at the rate they're getting. Oh, just shut oh up! Throw him out the airlock. Seriously, Han Solo could have won that war hands down. Oh. And even still, I mean, what was his Jedi power? You know, he, well, first of all, no mention of midi-chlorians. No. Of course, because they didn't exist, and Luke's is full of shit that, you know, they're originally part of the plan to begin with. Um, he was shot in the ass. He was shot in the ass by by that little secret droid. That was hysterical. Um, that was another thing, too. Those weird, like, just floaty droids that have no purpose. This is in the, um, the extended Moss Eisley scene. Yeah. There's this little floaty droid that is making fun of another droid oh, yeah. and the droid punches him down. Punches him down, yeah. For what point? To what end does a droid need... Pr- is programmed... To make fun of To make fun droid. of another droid. What do those things have to do around Moss Eisley anyway? They just go around <laughs> mocking other droids so that... <laughs> so that, you know, they could give the droids a, a chance to uh, get out their digital anger? If you don't program anger into those droids, they won't have anger, Mike. That's how that works. Uh, I, th- I think that, and this is I, this is definitely, this is every robot in science fiction, the robot yeah. who wishes to feel. Um, that's what I always liked about R2-D2. Right. R2-D2 had prime programming, and he, he actually was the only droid or robot, or whatever you want to call him, to actually do what he had to do. Yeah. He was programmed to do it, and any means necessary, he was going to do it. Mm-hmm. Of course, it didn't include flying, which we all know he can do, and <laughs> hey, shooting must, oil and burning people up like we know he can do. They must have removed that, um, removed the flights and from them in between the movies, obviously. They must have. I yeah. mean, maybe they said, okay, well, you know what, don't say anything. But just to be on the safe side, we're going to remove your rocket boosters. Yeah, we're going to wipe the other droid's memory, but don't you say anything. You'll never need those rocket boosters again. Don't worry. Well, we all know what R2-D2's prime programming is to be. is to be a gigantic dick. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. Oh, yeah, hey, I I stood next to your mother as she died. (laughs) I know who your father is, but I'm not telling. Hey, isn't that your creator, (laughs) Theory 3PO? Yeah, yeah. Um, Also... For as cool as the end Death Star sequence was, yeah. and, and you can't tell me that you've never driven through a tunnel and just felt like you were at the Death Star Trench. Oh, no, I felt like that. Like those mile-long tunnels? Yes. Oh, man, when I used to commute back and forth between here and Virginia, there was one in Baltimore that I would have to drive through, and oh. everybody was like, stay on target, stay on target, stay on target. Um, you had mentioned about the battle strategy, which you felt was kind of lacking. Yeah, um... Let's face it, most of the Rebels were complete idiots. I mean, three fly into the trench. TIE Fighters come in, blow them up. Start all over again. Three more fly into the trench. TIE Fighters come in. Come on, guys. After the first time, realize there are TIE Fighters out there. Let's get rid of them first and then blow up the trench. Or, hey, here's a better idea. Three fighters go in. Two tie, three fi- TIE Fighters go behind them. Three oh. X-Wing Fighters go behind them. There we go. Hello. Oh, my God. That would have... I mean, even if you got just picked off the other two useless Stormtroopers... Right. Um... You know, speaking of stormtroopers, let me just get get back to something that worked. I never once felt in this movie that the stormtroopers were completely incompetent. No. Like they had been made out to be. No, this one, um, they were menacing figures in white. I mean, they were just there to do the Darth Vader's bidding. Yep. And, you know, they were... Well, they actually showed a little personality, too. Remember they, you know, when Obi-Wan's trying to turn off the tractor beam? Yeah. (laughs) What do you think it is? Maybe it's another girl. (laughs) That's right. They were talking about um, uh, what was they were talking about the T fifteen. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Some of the other guys are talking about it. That's cool because it. Before that, you would honestly thought that they were robots. Yeah. And when I was a kid, I always thought the stormtroopers were robots until I went back and revisited that scene. Like, oh, they're not robots. They're actually having a conversation. Yeah. Now we know they're clones. Yes. 
But were they really clones? Were the stormtroopers themselves really clones, or were just the clone troopers? Because they didn't all speak like, um, like uh, Django Fett. Right. Well, maybe they got new new people to clone. Yeah, exactly. Well, you were useless. You got killed one battle. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, you're you're right about about that battle strategy. Yeah. Uh, just, guys, come on. Yeah. Now, have you ever seen the how it should have ended for Star Wars? I haven't. Uh... Men, normally with this information, we would take time to make a more intricate plan of attack. However, rather than transmitting the technical readouts of the Imperial Battle Station and keeping our hidden rebel base safe, Princess Leia insisted on coming back, knowing full well her ship was being tracked. In short, we have one chance to make this right, and it's all Princess Leia's fault. Sir, we have reached the planet Yavin. The rebel base is on a moon orbiting on the other side of the planet. We'll be in firing range within 30 minutes. I say we're in range now. Fire. The Death Star is in range. The Death Star is in range. The Death Star is in range. So much for that idea. (laughs) Boy, you said it, Chewie. I was this close to going back and helping those people. So that kind of wraps up. Do you have any other last thoughts on um, episode four, A New Hope? Um, not really. No. It's, um, I, one one thing I will say, every, I get shivers every time I watch it, and um, Han announces that Yahoo, you're all clear. Okay, now let's pull the thing and go home. Shivers every time. Yep. Sadly for me, the shivers have been turned into a. That's what she said. There are so many. That's what she said. Moments. In Star Wars, aren't you a little short to be winning for me? Sorry, aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? Um, at at that speed, do you think we can pull out in time? Oh, jeez! Let's blow this thing and go home. You've got a dirty, dirty mind. Yes, I do. (laughs) Actually, my friend uh, Steve, who was supposed to be here for the show, but (coughs) due to torrential rain, was unable to make it. He and I had conceived the Star Wars special special edition with ten extra minutes of hardcore pornography. And all we were going to do is just throw in those lines. That just Well, I, I, honestly, I can't really talk because when I went with my younger brother and a bunch of his friends to see, uh, what was it, Attack of the Clones in theaters? Yeah. We decided that every single line could be followed by a farting noise. It could have been. <laughs> um, we can't do this anymore. Oh, I've got a bad feeling about this. <laughs> I truly, truly love you. <laughs> Don't make uh, please. I'm just gonna cough. <laughs> Sorry, that's okay. Um, <coughs> yeah, yeah. So, I, I think the one thing really that that you have to say about Star Wars: A New Hope is that you can't compare it to the other two. It stands no, alone. It is. It is a standalone. I've discussed that about a thousand times before, yeah. and we'll get into it a little bit. We talk about Empire, but it's it's just it is definitely in a class all of its own. Yeah, honestly, it's kind of like the Matrix to the Matrix sequels. Don't don't compare the Star uh, Wars I'm, movies I'm, to the I'm, Matrix movies, please. I'm just saying that the Matrix could be standalone, like right. And then when they made the second one and the third one, it the second one led into the third one. Right, exactly. That's all okay, I'm all right. Them. Okay, it's kind of like the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Then, if you really want to get. Tactical. Very good point. All right. So, anyway. um, One of the things we decided we're going to talk about, we're going to be Star Wars action figures. Yes. Uh, Now, Mike and I, big nerds, big collectors. Oh, yeah. Now, I am actually old enough to have had some of the original Star Wars figures. I have them as well. The, um... I didn't get the, uh, the little, um... The action figures in a box. You know, like, you buy the card for, like, 15 bucks, and they mail you all the figures. Um... No, no... My my older brother and sister had got the action figures, and so I kind of grew up with them. Oh, okay. Um, what were some of your favorite action figures? I remember distinctly the uh, the Luke and the Obi Wan and the Darth Vader had that lightsaber that could came out. Oh, the, of the tele- and, yeah, the telescoping lightsaber with the little streamer on the end. Yeah, and they had those plastic capes which ripped so extremely easily. Actually, they had a great thing in Toy Fair Theater um, with four of the Imperial Stormtroopers mm-hmm. going to Jedi school and they ran out of cloaks so they gave one an old school cloak and it was one of those vinyl things where the armpits kept tearing. Yep. 
Yep. I have put so much tape on those to keep them. <laughs> I always cut off the um, the streamers on the ends of the lightsabers because they yep. look stupid. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, you know, like the, those little cocktail swords they were like the little pokers for yeah. like um, olives and cherries and stuff yeah. like that. I used to use those. I used to steal a bunch of my grandparents and, and use those. Them. Use those just as weapons. Right. Um. Yeah, I always enjoyed them. I, I don't really know who my favorite action figure was. I always loved Boba Fett. Oh, yeah. Boba Fett was all... all but... Uh, it, I, I'm glad that they improved the paint jobs of the, of the newer ones. Oh, yeah. Well, that's we'll get into that in a second. It, it was kind of like a st- uh, Christmas special paint job right there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you, heard the, you heard the whole story, right, of the original mail-in Boba Fett? No, no. All right. Well, Boba Fett was going to be a mail-in figure that was... He was kind of advertised partially for the Star Wars uh, Holiday Special and partly for Empire Strikes Back. Okay. He was going to be the first figure released in the series. He's also going to be their first mail-order figure. Right. You know, you collect enough proof of purchases, you mail them out, you yep. get the action figure. I did that. Mm-hmm. The ads that they had for Boba Fett were um, with this firing jetpack, like this this l- rocket launcher with like a little peg that would just shoot out of his back. Right. Um, later... Later, uh, card backings, actually, they had stickered over that because the prototype they deemed to be too dangerous because some kid was going to choke on, on a oh, missile. Right, yeah. there, there, back in the late 70s, this used to happen all the time. I had this toy called uh, Rivetron, mm-hmm. which essentially was like a construction set with rivets. Okay. They pulled it off the market because some kid choked on and died on a rivet. Oh, of They're course. Like these little they rubber did. rivets, but yeah, some, so they pulled it off the market. We could get, we could do an entire episode on toys that were lost to the ages because <laughs> some stupid kid was decided to see what it tasted like, and the parents were too stupid to take it away from them. Exactly, smack their hands. Yeah. Um. So when I got the Boba Fett figure, though, it was the coolest action figure in the world. Yeah. Because, I mean, even though the rocket didn't shoot, he still had a rocket, yeah. he had a gun, he had, like, a little wrist rocket, too, and he was just awesome. Yeah. I, I, I actually have a story about a Millen figure. Me, my older brother, and my older sister all sent away for the Emperor Palpatine uh, The figure. Return of the Jedi figure? Yep. Okay, go ahead with your story, because i got a story about that. Yeah, we all got it back, and then I just remember. I think I think I still have it up in the attic somewhere. It's just the, the robe would, the robe was like just glued to the leg, so when they it would part, yeah, and it's got that just straight angle. There was no need for him to have moving legs. In other words, right? Um, I had I had sent away for the uh, the emperor figure, and I never got it. Really, never. I was so pissed. Oh, well, I got by that time, maybe I'll give one. Too. Oh, actually, I have one from. Um, the uh, Power of the Force 2. Oh, nice. But he also had those little legs, though, which were useless. These little yeah. skinny white guy legs, you know? <laughs> um, did you ever have any of the 12-inch figures? No. Never, never. had 12. I had two. I had the two best ones. R2-D2, because mm-hmm. you could open up his back and take out little oh, cards. Yeah. And I also had Boba Fett. Oh, and this Boba Fett was like a Swiss Army knife. Oh, nice. The rocket would shoot. It wouldn't really shoot, but you had it like on a string. You yeah. could do that. You could... Um, he, he had like a little sight mm-hmm. through his head, kind of like the Million Dollar Man figure. Oh yeah, yeah. So that was pretty awesome. Um, but after after that, the the Power of the Force Two Boba Fett, mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. Removable jetpack. Yep. Lots of weapons. Oh yes. Um, he had the Wookiee braids going down over his shoulder. Yeah, yeah. And they were actually like kind of movable. Yeah. They weren't removable, but they were movable. Yeah. Um, those. The Power of the Force Two figures put the figures that we grew up with to shame. Yes. Both in the amount of figures they put out, mm-hmm. the, the attention to detail. Yeah. However, do you remember the first line of them? I don't know. There was Buff Luke Skywalker, <laughs> Buff Han Solo, oh, yeah. and chimp-faced Princess Leia. <laughs> yeah, uh, I remember the Buff Luke Skywalker. I think I brought him over one time to just show you. Yeah, he's... Just got this enormous chest. As does Han Solo. It's like you know. It's like their their shirts could barely you know contain yeah. their rippling pecs. Luke was never buff. Never, never. Which is he, funny because the first Luke Skywalker figure I actually bought was like three three series down. Uh-huh. Same white outfit, but skinny as all hell. Oh yeah. I used to do so much mail order. I, I kind of discovered online buying by doing the Star Wars figures. Mm-hmm. And there were so many awesome figures. You know who sucked, though? The Emperor, Imperial Guard. Oh, the red one? Apart from his arms, there were no moving parts on that thing. Really? Yeah. 
It's like a salt shaker. Well, I guess the fact that they never really moved in the in the movie. No, exactly. The only time they ever did anything in any of the movies was when they got their asses booted by uh by Yoda and Revenge of the Sith. Oh yeah. Um, no, you were you're really keen to talk about the ships. Yes. What what was your favorite? My favorite, hands down, I had the Adat Walker. Oh god damn you! I yeah. never got the Adat Walker. I had the big Adat Walker, and then the stupid three year old me ruined it by putting a sparkly rainbow picture, uh, sticker on it. Oh god! Well, that was the that was the one who got cut down the fastest. Yeah. Um. That was that was really cool. It was like I think that was the matter of affordability. Yeah, that thing was expensive. Plus, by the time that came out, it actually came out around the time of Jedi, right. which was strange because it took them that long to come up with one. Yeah. Um, by that time, I was kind of getting away from toys, and that was just one of the things. I don't think my mom wanted to spend that kind of money on something I was only going to play with for a little bit. Yeah. Um, we my were- favorite, Millennium Falcon. Oh yeah. We had that one too. I oh. love the Millennium Falcon with little uh, secret compartments. Yeah, you can take off the cover and you have the and the board game. Yeah, and uh, just I, I love the like the cockpit. Getting the cockpit on exactly right though was a pain in the ass. Oh my god, you're right. You're absolutely oh, right. I remember that. It was just a, like a couple of plastic tabs, and you had to like just squeeze it in on the side. And if it didn't, it would like completely overlap, and then yeah. it's like you know Han's head would be smacking against the glass during it would light just speed. Po- just pop out. I'll- Oh. Yeah, I, I felt like I was a freaking genius, though, because the way I would make that thing fly, because it's too heavy to like, yeah. carry, yeah. I would use the front lander and use that kind of as like a handle oh, yeah. and fly it like that. Um, I love that. I, I had the Death Star. Oh, I never had the Death Star. Three stories of, this wasn't in the movie, Glory. <laughs> apart from the trash compactor, nothing else, I believe, appeared in that movie, apart from like the, um, like the like that little the bridge that they have to swing over. Yeah. I didn't remember the guns. It was just kind of like, yeah, it's cool and all, but... We had the... I had the uh, the bridge that they had to swing across, the retractable bridge. Yeah. And we had the um, the trash compactor with the Dianoga figure. Yeah. Um, and it was filled with, like, a little styrofoam. A little styrofoam, yeah. <laughs> the elevator was kind of cool. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they... But well, it was like you know, for, the no, amount, for the amount of money and the amount of headache that it got for me to get my parents to buy me that. Yeah. In hindsight, yeah, wasn't that great? Now that I re- now that I think about it, we did get the we did have the Death, uh, Death Star. Oh. I, I was thinking like the entire round thing, but no, it was just that kind of hole in the middle. It was like yeah, it was four stories. Of, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't even that big either. It's kind of no. like the um the Star Destroyer playset that they came out with, which essentially was. Maybe about a foot long. Yeah. Yeah, and the only the only cool thing about that was like Vader's uh, breathing chamber. Yeah, we never had the Star Destroyer. Yeah, I and the sets today are just too and they're too cool. But I don't have that kind of expendable income because no, no. now they've got all the attention to detail, removable droids. You can actually take the droids out of the yeah. uh, the X wing fighter. Unlike oh, my old X X wing, which just had like the push down R two D two head, and it had that little button in the back where you press it and the red light in the front. In the front, where well, there were no guns. No, there was no gun in the front. None. None. And by the time the Y-Wing fighter came out, I don't know why the hell it took seven years for the Y-Wing fighter to come yeah. out, but... Oh, that, and that thing fell apart like crazy. Oh, yeah, because all both of the um, the jets yeah. were, like, individual, like, pieces of plastic. Yeah, it was just four long little strips of plastic that would... And it wouldn't even support its own weight at the animals. No, it wouldn't. It's like, you know, the, like, the back ends of plastic that were supposed to, like, hold them together would fall down. Yeah. And, oh, and... And did you ever try and split the S-foils apart on the, X, on the X-Wing? Oh, yeah. Those things would not split apart. No, they wouldn't. And when you did, you couldn't get them put back. No. But I always enjoyed, like, the X, the, uh, the TIE Fighters, though. The wings would just pop right off. Yeah. And that, that one had the little red light as well. Yeah. Exactly where the laser was. Exactly. Um, the speeder bike. Oh, yeah. Speeder bikes were cool because they broke up into, like, four different parts. And yeah. that thing was a pain in the ass to put back together. Yeah, because you can blow them up. Oh, yeah, you have to keep blowing them up. But it's, no, that's... Just, that's <laughs> what, was it, what was the line from um, Rift Tracks Avatar? No, that's an Imperial speeder bike. Those things <laughs> blow up on impact. I also had the Ewok Village. Oh, the Ewok the Village. trees with a platform in the middle. That wasn't too, too bad. It no. just it didn't afford you a lot of space. No. And do you do you know that they reused that when Kenner put out the um, Robin Hood Prince of Thieves? Oh, really? That was Robin Hood's Hideaway. Oh, for shame! Yeah, we were at a toy store and I saw that. I'm like, that's the fucking Ewok Village. <laughs> uh, 
What is up with that? And then, of course, we also had uh, kind of a transport that never appeared in any movies. Wait, you're talking about Star Wars transport where you could put the guys, like, Yeah, there were, like, eight pat. Like, yeah, and there were, like, uh, sound, sound buttons. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't in any of the movies. Nope. Nor were, like, the cheapy spaceships. Oh, yeah. Which, I guess the reason that they gave for the cheapy spaceships were it's for parents to be able to buy their kids ships without having to buy them, like, the whole big expensive right, stuff. Yeah. So that's why there was, like, the little, uh, the little walker. Yeah. With wheels. And there was, like, the little, uh, Endor oh, that, racer. that actually reminds me of the, uh, the ATST. Yep. Had that button in the bracket, you press it, it's and the, the legs went Yeah, but that, but that made it look like an epileptic, though. <laughs> that thing was like, I can't move, I can't stop! Uh, no wonder they're so easy to destroy. Alright, let's move on yes. to, um, what is... Widely considered, arguably, yes, the best Star Wars movie ever. Released on May twenty second, nineteen eighty. Uh, that's why we're we're talking Star Wars. It's thirtieth anniversary coming up. Yep. Uh, Empire Strikes Back, Episode Five. Yes, I love this movie. I love it as well now. Okay, I did not love it when it first came out because, like I said, I was like three, and seeing. Um, Luke being bashed around by the Wampa and then having his hand chopped off and then falling and like grappling from the bottom of Cloud City did not suit well Seriously, the subtitle for this Star Wars film should have been called The Ass Kicking of Luke Skywalker <laughs> because he gets it at the beginning and he gets it at the end. Yeah. Luke does not have one area where he's not either being beaten up or chided or reprimanded throughout the entire movie. Right. And no one's there to say good luck to him, you know, when he's you know, he's actually doing good, like when he takes down that, um, the AT-AT. Yeah, oh yeah, and then he just falls and gets smacked in the snow again. Yeah, exactly, yeah, after after his ship uh, blows up because his uh, co-pilot was useless. What was his co-pilot? Dak. Dak, that's right. Like, seriously, and you could even tell the frustration on Luke's face <laughs> when Dak was like, oh wait, we have a malfunction in fire control, and Luke's just like, I'm gonna fucking kill this guy. Come on, Dak, get it together. I destroyed a goddamn Death Star, for God's sakes. Uh, and now I'm, li- well, now I'm settled with Dak, the yeah. loser of the rebellion. Yeah, seriously, what was it, on-the-job training day? <laughs> hey, here's your intern, Luke. Oh, come on, I've got a million deaths on my conscience. <laughs> Figures, I can settle with the newbie. Yeah, um... Here's what worked about it. Cosmet- First of all, let's talk about Special Edition. Okay. Cosmetically, it was the best of the Special Editions. I thought that they um, they didn't need they didn't feel the need to add a lot of extra scenes, mm-hmm. apart from the Wampa scene. Yeah. Uh, which, but, you know... You know I, I, I actually thought that that worked really well, because it, it helped give you the, the impression that Luke was in, in mortal danger. Right. I, I think it worked. I'm not going to qualify it with a really well, okay. but I thought that it worked. It didn't offend me. Right. But cosmetically, especially in Cloud City, yeah, what they did to Cloud City was something you couldn't have done uh, 27 year, uh, 17 years before. No. It, 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 they just opened up all the windows. You could see the sky outside. It was not this claustrophobic. It was a thriving metropolis. Yes. I thought, it, I thought that was excellent. Yeah. Um, I think overall it had the best storytelling. Okay. Because it was definitely that second act. Yes. Um, Which is kind of odd, because normally second acts are weaker. Well, yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Um, unless you're talking... I mean, there, there are certain movies... I think when you, when, you, when you get down to, like, nerd films, I think that they do better with their second half, their second acts, than they definitely do with their thirds, or with, even sometimes with their firsts. Um was something like, say, Spider-Man 2. Right. I mean, Spider-Man 2 was infinitely better than Spider-Man 1. Not to say that Spider-Man 1 was a bad movie. No. Star Trek 2, The Wrath of Khan. Right. Okay, know. Another one that I couldn't, I can't say is my favorite because it psychologically traumatized me when I first okay. saw it. I gotcha, I gotcha. <laughs> um, but even like Superman 2, back when I was a kid, I thought Superman 2 was better than Superman 1. I still think it's better than Superman 1. I can't go with that anymore because A, I grew up, and B, I've seen the Donner Cut. Yeah. Have you seen the Donner Cut? I have seen the, the Donner, Donner Cut. The Donner Cut is better. It is, but you know, like, like I said during the twenty during my clip for the twenty fifth twenty five. Yeah. Best geek movies. Nothing gets our nerd our nerd juice flowing than seeing uh, super powered people beating the crap out of each other. Exactly. Um, but going back to I think best yeah. overall story. Part of that, I really firmly believe, is because George Lucas didn't write the screenplay. 
Yeah. It's the only movie in all six of them where he didn't actually write the screenplay. Uh, credit goes to Lawrence Kasdan and Lee Brackett. Right. Originally it was Lee Brackett, but she died. Oh. So Lawrence Kasdan took over, because he's part of that, that group of guys that went on to be big directors. Yeah. Uh, kind of like the Philip Kaufman, um, who co-wrote uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Right, yeah. Um, so they wrote it, so they actually, no drama. No. And they built up a very, very tight drama. They really did, yeah. Plus, Lucas didn't direct this movie either. No, which uh, means it flowed very nicely. Yep, Irvin Kirshner yep. uh, directed it. I, I just think the world of Irvin Kirshner, because, first of all, he's still game to talk about Star Wars, mm-hmm. because this is the movie that he's best known for. Right. He went back, he did RoboCop 2, yeah. you know, he's done a couple of other things, but um, he, he's just really happy that he had a part and, in this. And to a lot of people, he had the best part. Yeah, he did. I, I, I just I definitely think that had Lucas been directing this, or had written this, um, we'd be rolling our eyes at the Han and Leia love story. Right. Uh, we would have never ever bought the whole Darth Vader as Luke's uh, father. No, and honestly, probably the best line of of Empire Strikes Back, uh, well, the best interaction, um, I love you, I know, that, I don't think that line would have existed if Lucas had directed Right, and I know Kirshner had actually, in, in the... Um, uh, on the DVD for Star Wars, they've got the um, the Empire of Dreams yeah. uh, featurette, and which is like three hours long. Yeah. And, oh, it's awesome. And Irvin Kershner just goes to how many times they tried that until it worked, and the I Love You, I Know clicked. Yeah. And they're like, we'll go with that. Yeah. That's perfect. No, no, no. And that was, that was the one that they, I mean, they, they had just, Harrison Ford kept trying different lines, and none of them worked. And so they find. So finally, he just said, "I know." Yeah. Hey. Hey. What about right. that? Your rogue scoundrel. Honestly, I think Han Solo was the MVP of this movie. Oh, absolutely. He is so good in every because even when he's faced with almost certain death. Yeah. He's not really like. He, he's he's going into it fully accepting his fate, mm. and um, you know when he's getting frozen in carbonite, he kind of just you know. He ties up his loose ends. Chewie, yeah. you take care of Leia. And he just has that look in the, in his eye, like, yeah, I'll see you again, but if I don't, remember me? Yep, exactly. It is, uh, um, I mean, seriously, he attaches to a Star Destroyer. Yeah. He hides in an asteroid. He, he flies into an asteroid field, oh, for yeah. God's sakes. Um, Despite the odds against him. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Uh, seriously, MVP all the way. Vader. Mm. I thought this added an extra layer of character, which, while we didn't really need to see it, uh, based on, you know, it wasn't something that we were, like, expecting. I was like, oh, that's what I really wanted to see. Right. I think it worked by adding that extra layer and having him being driven and obsessed by finding Luke Skywalker. Right. And at first I thought it was just because he's such an asset, because, hey, he just managed to kill a million Imperial agents. Right. Yeah, because I mean, it. I mean, you still had Darth Vader as the symbol of evil, but then you suddenly start seeing that he's actually more of a shade of gray. Yeah, exactly. And then you had the Emperor for the first appearance with the monkey eyes. Yeah, <laughs> the monkey eyes. And then when they redid it for the DVD, they actually had Ian McDermott right playing, which I, I thought worked. Yeah, um, it was not that bad of a of an addition to it. Right. The one thing they could have done, not touched on the special edition, though was in the original cut of Empire, after Luke fall, you know, gets away from Vader. Oh, yeah. And Vader's just kind of walking, and you can just see how he's just seething with being pissed off. Right. And he just goes, bring my shuttle. Right. And you, it just, that was perfect. Flash forward to 1997 on the, on the uh, special edition, it's, tell my Star Destroyer to prepare for my arrival. It's like, that doesn't sound pissy at all. Yeah. And also... Um, they added in that really long scream for Luke. Oh, they took it out, though, in the DVDs. Really? Yeah, oh, they, nice. the, because I, I guess the biggest complaint was is that people thought that, that Luke might be flip-flopping on his way to the dark side. <laughs> it's like, okay, I'm going to fall. No, I changed my mind! Uh, I'm sorry, that just reminds me of Fox Trite, um comic strip. I yeah. Read, where, um... Uh, oh, what? Who's the, who's Jason. He, yeah, Jason was uh, writing himself into the Star Wars as Luke's younger brother. <laughs> and while when, um, 
Luke lets go and falls. <laughs> um, Jesus is like, all right, dark side, all right. <laughs> um, and Empire also introduced two long-standing characters. Yes. Uh, one, Lando Calrissian. Lando Calrissian was a black guy, you know. He got to fly the Millennium Falcon. What's the matter with you? Who said that? I did. Lando Calrissian is a positive role model in the realm of science fiction fantasy. Fuck Lando Calrissian, Uncle Tom, nigga. Only some white boy got to invoke the Holy Trilogy. Bust this. Those movies are about how the white man keeps the brother man down, even in a galaxy far, far away. Billy D. Williams. Ever smooth Billy D. Williams. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't really have much to say about Lando because essentially he is the Uncle Tom in this movie. <laughs> he really is. I'm just going to portray him and then, oh, well, the gigantic monkey is, is uh, choking me. I think I'll turn over now. Yeah. Um, and then there's Boba Fett. Boba Fett. Boba Fett. The coolest guy who ever appeared in three minutes of, of screen time. Seriously, he had, what, four lines? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, um... And I think they added one to the special edition. uh, No, they didn't, but they replaced his voice with, uh... The guy named Django Fett's. That's right. Boba Fett's an interesting character, because he's cool-looking. Yeah. And essentially, that is a substitute for actually being a cool character. Right. Don't get me wrong, I I love Boba Fett, but... It's... He doesn't really do a whole lot. No, he doesn't. He's the deadliest, uh... Bounty hunter in the universe. Mm-hmm. You never see him kill anybody. No. He's got a couple of lines, and most of them have to do with getting compensated. Yeah. You know? Um, but he's got but a cool he ship. survive. He's worth a lot. Not to me. He's got, he's got a cool ship. Yep. Even though I think the way it flies is ridiculous. Slave one. I'm not a big fan of the name, though. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, you know, he's got the rocket pack that he didn't get to use until later. Never yeah. used the, the, uh, the, the rocket itself. Yeah. Um... But it led up to one of the coolest things, being frozen in carbonite. Yeah. Seriously, when I die, that's how I want to get taken out. Frozen in carbonite. I want my hands poking through and all that. I just, I, seriously. Did you, did you ever see the uh, first episode of uh, C-Lab 2021? Uh, probably. Re- refresh my memory. The penalty for a robot harming a human will be 1,000 years... Frozen in carbonite! A thousand years frozen in carbonite? It'll be so cold! My nipples are hard just thinking about it. Man, I'd kill myself! Hello, Prime Directive 3! Damn Prime Directives! I just don't know if I want to live a thousand years, even as an Adrian Barbobot. Actually, on uh, 30 Rock a few weeks ago, um, Rip Torn's character, Don Geis, uh-huh. had passed away, and he was frozen in carbonite. <laughs> At the funeral, he's just kind of like, you know, in the carbonite block. God, I love that show. Um, what didn't work for Empire? Um, uh, I'll tell you one thing that didn't work. The weekend of Jedi training. Yeah. Seriously, apparently the, the commitment to the Jedi Order is a lifetime commitment. You start when you're very, very, very young. Yep. And you're not considered even, like, a regular Jedi Knight until at least you're in your mid-20s. Yeah. Luke does it in a weekend. Yeah, he, he pulls a kind of the Coast Guard training of Jedis. Pretty two, much. Two weekends a, uh, a year, and then you just party on the beach all day. Right, because when you think about it, too, I mean, how long do you think were, were Han and Leia in the Millennium Falcon before they got to Cloud City? Because, uh, you know, it, the system was pretty close, but they couldn't use their hyper, hyperdrive. Exactly. So, yeah. I mean, what, maybe a couple of days? Yeah. Tops? I mean, a- anything longer than a week, and they're, they're trying to figure out how to uh, how to gut the uh, C-3PO for parts and use them to gut Chewbacca for burgers. <laughs> um, and that brings me to C-3PO, the Vegas odds maker of Empire Strikes Back. Oh, yeah. This could possibly be in the original series, because he gets a lot worse in the, in the prequels, uh-huh. um, the most annoying character in this movie. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't... he. He wasn't as bad as he was ever in the original trilogy, but this one, he was kind of at the lowest point of the of these ones. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. 
Um, he's just he's ridiculous. Yeah. In it, uh, but apart from that, I mean, I really I love Empire Strikes Back. Now, a coffee table book very similar to the making of Star Wars is coming out in October. Uh-huh. Uh, the making of Empire Strikes Back. Nice. I am psyched. Yeah. To read that because it's just it's a returning cast that of of unknowns that became superstars because of this. Right. Um, and you add, actually, and you also had a member of, a, of Cheers. That's right, John Ransenberger. Yep. Oh, what was his what was his name? He was Colonel something. Yeah, but I think Colonel Rykan. Yeah, no, no, no. no that, that was the guy who looks like John Kerry. Yeah, um, yeah, but he was the one who was like, "Your Highness, we must, you know, the shield doors must yeah. be closed." John Ratzenberger, I, I just remembered as I was watching it yesterday on AMC, was in Superman too. He was. Yeah, he was part of uh, Mission Control. Oh wow! For uh, for the, the doomed NASA flight, I'm gonna have to go and watch that again. Yeah, well, it's gonna be on AMC pretty much all week. So, <laughs> um, I have the DVD box. Yes, the AMC. box of steel. So, all right. So that kind of ends part one's discussion of of uh, the Star Wars movies. Right. However, we'd be remiss if we didn't leave you with one of the segments. So we're gonna be talking uh, some salad shells. Yes. All right. Um, let's talk about Iron Man two. Iron Man 2, uh, better or worse than the first one? Um, I think worse is, is, is not the right word. Yeah. It was not as good as, as part it's one. It's less better. Yeah. However, it would have been impossible to have made it as good yeah. as Iron Man 1, because Iron Man 1 was, and I've read this a bunch of times in the, um, in reviews yeah. that I've read, it was such a breath of fresh air. It really was. That the second movie couldn't have possibly been no. and as original. No, this one was more of, I mean, that one was more of a standalone great movie. This one was more of leading it up to and including into the Marvel movie universe. This is leading up to the, the Avengers movie. Right. There's right. a lot to it. Though. Yeah, I, I, this is definitely, it, this is kind of like the Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince yeah. of these because the, there won't be another Iron Man movie until the Avengers have been released. Right. They've already teased, uh, spoiler alert if you haven't heard, they've already teased um, Captain America yep. in Iron Man 2, as well as Thor. Yes. So please stick around. If you haven't watched the, cre- you know, if you haven't gone yet, stick around to the end of the credit sequence. The last movie you got, uh, Nick Fury, yep. this one, you will get Thor's hammer. Right, Mjolnir. Oh, it's so awesome. Uh-huh. Um... I best I heard I was talking to my friend Jim the other day mm-hmm. and he brought up a good point about Mickey Rourke who plays Whiplash in the yeah. movie that Mickey Rourke looks like he's wearing a Mickey Rourke mask <laughs> in the movie <laughs> okay I'll, I'll buy that he just he just looks grizzled he does I think it, it fits the character he was oh, yeah. he, I thought he was very good he was yeah in that I thought he was he was driven I, I bought kind of his pathos, yes, as it were, but I, I thought he was great. Sam Rockwell was excellent. Sam Rockwell was just a, a great, smarmy guy. You, I just love you Sam love Rockwell. You love to hate him. Yeah. Um, but the strength of Iron Man, I've always, I've, I felt, has been with the women. They've never, they've never turned in a, Rid- a, a, a Willie Scott. Yeah. Um, Scarlett Johansson kicked major ass. Oh my, Scarlett Johansson was really good. And she I had heard, fantastic. a lot of the reviews I read, I don't agree with, that it, it was, she was uh, scene dressing. No, I, I don't agree with that at all. I think she was excellent. Yeah, uh, and I loved how like there was that one scene like Tony Stark said, "I can't read you." That's what you get throughout the entire movie. She was she played it both roles. She, oh, she, I thought she did a very good job. And when around the time when it was like okay, enough with the comedy. Yeah, get to business. She got to business. Oh yeah, um, Pepper Potts was excellent. Yep. Um, the only part I didn't much care for was at the end. She sees that the kind of a spoiler alert here. She sees the uh, robot starting to self-destruct, and she just stands there. Yeah. Come on, come on run! You know what's going to happen. Run. Well, look on the bright side. At least she wasn't walking towards it. No. Um, what did you think of uh, Don Cheadle as War Machine? I I thought he did a fantastic job. I thought he did as good of a job as he could possibly have done. This, yes. This isn't the War Machine show. It's no. It's the Tony Stark show. Yeah. So I thought he did a very good job. I didn't miss uh, Terrence Howard no, in the least. Not at all. I, in fact, watching it, I, I was trying to remember what Terrence Howard looked like. Yeah. <laughs> Man, here's a, here's all you need to know. Tony, Tony. <laughs> um, what'd you think of John Favreau? 
I, 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 you know, he's the director. He's allowed to beef up his role. I thought yeah. he was fine. Oh, I yeah. thought he was really fine in the movie. He, he actually provided a nice comic relief. I thought I saw it so too. So if you haven't gone out and seen it yet, it is on its way to being the number one movie of the year so far. All right, good. Um, I pretty much have seen all I need to see at the movies. Even yeah. though uh, tomorrow night, Autumn and I are going to go see Robin Hood. Okay. Um, damn the critics, we're going to go. Um, tomorrow night. Uh, that's Thursday. I'm, I'm waiting until Friday when uh, MacGruber comes out. Oh, I actually heard a good review of MacGruber. I've heard a good from review from IFC. Yeah, I've heard that people are saying it's this is actually the funniest movie, um, SNL movie since Wayne's World. All right, and if you want to go a little further than that, the IFC News Podcast, go to ifc.com or just uh, type it in use IFC in uh, iTunes. Yep. Um, they actually rank. The SNL movies, mm-hmm. um, and MacGruber was number three. Oh, really? Behind uh, the Blues Brothers and the first Wayne's World. Right. Yeah. Um, number ten was its Pat. <laughs> so I think they should drop that to eleven. Oh god! Well, they only had ten to go with. I know. I think I still think they should drop it to eleven. Yeah, but um, yeah, definitely check that out. Um, like I said, though, it's like there's not much else coming out. Uh, Shrek three, uh, Shrek four, rather, has gotten awful reviews, and every single one of them has mentioned three D and how it was unnecessary. Yeah. So, um, you know, just uh, Mike and I being the good parents here, let's just tell you right now: if you know the movie was originally shot in three D, don't go see it because it's going to suck. Yeah. Um, when you upconvert it, it's never going to be as good as a movie shot in three D. Right. Right. I mean, it's common sense. Yeah. So anyway, you had a video game to talk about. Yes, I just picked it up yesterday. Um, so I haven't had a whole lot... No, I didn't pick it up yesterday. No, I did pick it up yesterday. Sorry. Um, I haven't had a whole lot of time to play it, but Red Dead Redemption, uh, done by Rockstar Games, same okay. people that brought you uh, Grand Theft Auto, and you can definitely feel it. It feels like it's Grand Theft Auto in the Wild West. Yeah, actually, there was um, a game a few years ago, Red Dead Revolver. Yeah, which was the first one of this, but you don't need to have played Red Dead Revolver. They're two separate storylines. Oh, and a lot of the, the, the Grand Theft games are like that, too, though. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's... I mean, honestly, my, my favorite Grand Theft Auto game has been San Andreas, because yeah. you can leave the city, you can go out into the, the countryside, you can wander around, do whatever you want there, and it's just much more open than being stuck in the city all the time. And that's pretty much all Red Dead Redemption is. It, you can There are a few towns, but then you can just wander through this countryside, and it's a huge countryside, too. Nice. It takes, like, I think if you... I think there, you can get a car somewhere in it, and if you drive from one end to the other, it's t- it'll take about half an hour real time. Wow. Yeah. Now, all I know is that you can tie a nun to the tracks. You got that from Topless Robots. I did, I did. I don't play a lot of video games anymore. I have zero time to play them. Yes, I know. Um, So, I guess that wraps up the uh, segments. Now, this is our first two-parter we've ever done in almost two years of shows. This is the first time we actually feel like we're going to be running long. And it's Star Wars, so you can't really do much better than that. Right, exactly. So, we're going to leave it here. We're going to pick up uh, a week from today, Mm -hmm. a week from the initial... um, Upload date. Yep. Uh, which I don't have that because it gets, i got to edit these things down anyway. <laughs> so within the next week, you'll be getting your uh, your messages on Facebook. You'll see it come up in your iTunes library or it'll just update on your uh, on your MP3 player. And when you see it show up, know that a week later you'll have the second half. Exactly. So until next time, I'm Andy. And I'm Mike. Go forth, be nerdful, and may the Force be with you. We'll talk to you later. Can't wait to get started, right, fellas? Gotta hunt that bounty, but the bounty's in the hunt, I always say. Tricks of the trade, trade secret, disintegration devices. D-guns, D-bombs, D-missiles. I'm the disintegration machine. Want a guy disintegrated? Get me integrated. That's Dengar's motto. I want them alive. No disintegration. As you wish. Ah, shucks.